Hello and welcome to another episode. So today we're going to dive into some religion. Uh, some religion that maybe you should, or at least I guess I <laughs> I think maybe you want to analyze uh, for your life or maybe some thoughts to consider while in a conversation with a Christian, for example. Now I'll say the examples I'm going to use here today are more for, I know they're more targeting Christianity, but you can find similar contradictions in, in most religions that you're surrounded with. I'm doing Christianity because it's the one I'm most surrounded with, and it also happens to be the one most personal to me. Also, I want to mention this episode, at least I'm hoping, is going to be helpful for mostly just like raising questions for other people of the faith. So I'm not I'm not going to get into the problems with like the, the cosmological argument or proclaiming if God needs to be the, the first cause, for example— or something like that, or if we need God for objective morality, not those type of philosophical issues. This is more for, at least it's my attempt, I'm not saying I always do this, I'm not saying I ever, or always do these things well, but it's like a conversation starter in the sense, right? So no, this is more about the conflicts I faced with Christianity in my life, earlier in my life, that ultimately left me seeking more, and seeking more in the sense that I began to go down that more kind of wonky road to philosophy, right? So it's like these these initial questions that I could not overcome that I'm like, okay, I had to I have to seek a different answer here. This is this obviously isn't working out for me. I'm like there's something really, really wrong here. And to me, then that's why I want to do these is because, you know, the average person, like I'm gonna be honest, like the average person, if you go explain to them, hey, this is the cosmological argument and this is why it sucks. And if someone that's not into philosophy, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't know what you're talking about. But these other issues that are conflicts that I faced before I got into the philosophy side, to me, this is going to be more apt to not change someone's mind. That's usually not what I'm trying to do. Cause I realize, like in a conversation or in a debate or whatever, you're not going to like really just change someone's mind right there. What you, what I, what I try to do and I'm trying to improve myself upon doing is just at least try to raise the questions that it becomes a conflict in their mind that they, they can't get that question out of their head. They can't get it out and they can't seem to answer it. And that becomes a problem for them. And that's when they seek out kind of the truth that the truth that they seek. Right. So, and, and, and the, yeah. and for those that are more well-versed, well, I figured you might enjoy this episode as well, because I kind of have enjoyed content from others that explain their sort of path to becoming more skeptical of their faith or their path to philosophy. And I'm not even saying this is actually my path to philosophy. It's just a more of a variety of things. Political philosophy actually led me to philosophy. If you guys, if you guys care to know, but yeah, that type of thing. So in the last sort of comment for any new listeners, I want you to know I'm not like a militant atheist by any means. And it's not really my main content either. I just like to cover this type of stuff from time to time because those who recently have left the faith often find themselves kind of first looking into the philosophy of religion and then branching out. So hopefully this episode is a way to kind of, it's like a, it's like a, an umbrella way to invite them into the, this podcast, little, little sanctuary, uh, where we have nice fun discussions where you can check out the discord and, and the Patreon for those episodes. You. But yeah, so you could do that stuff. So hopefully this episode is inviting for those who kind of fit that background. Okay. So, one issue I came to find an issue with 
is this concept around the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to, in this episode, I'm not going to get in the nitty gritty of religious stuff just because I think it's not the point of this episode. Uh, Maybe that's at a later time. But so like the Holy Spirit that is supposed to kind of, to come and live inside your heart. You're supposed to just feel it in your bones, right? The one where you feel the love of God in your soul. Well, to be blatantly honest, I never felt that growing up as a Catholic. I've never felt that type of connectedness. Uh, I, how do I want to phrase this without freaking people out? (laughs) So like, I guess I, I felt some sort of spiritualness by other means. And that's what I'll say. And then I'll leave it at that. But I would, I would, I would say I, and that's, and it was not connected to religion and that's, I'm going to leave it there. So I would witness people, but like getting it back to the church, so kind of my aside and my various substance use, but I would, so getting it back to the church stuff, I would witness people passionately following God, passionately talking about the feeling of the Holy Spirit, saying they, they have these conversations with God. And all I can remember thinking when they, they tell us to, to go pray by ourselves is, is talking to myself just about random things that had happened to me that day or counting the clock in church, wondering, is this going to be over soon so I can go watch Sunday uh, football, right? Those type of things. And it can be harmful for those who don't ever feel the emotional connection to God, real or not, that experience pain and suffering? How can we blame them for not accepting God, or at least the Christian God? But the Bible says, if you give up, it's it's your fault. You just, you just didn't try hard enough, right? So then on top of this, you have people like, because maybe you could say, because I, I, I just remember always being skeptical. That's why I don't come across, like try to proclaim that I was just like this really passionate Catholic and and I I had this awakening and all this type of stuff. That that didn't happen for me. I was always kind of skeptical. I was always kind of asking questions like, oh, this, this seems kind of weird and stuff like that. I don't want to get into that side of things too much today. But my point is I was never a hard believer. So I don't use that as like as a, as a way to draw you in and say, oh, you should, you should listen to me because I'm an ex hardcore Christian, right? So, so like I said, so then on top of this, you have people genuinely searching their entire lives for the feeling of the Holy Spirit, right? Some suffering, genuine pain because they want to feel it, but they just can't feel it. What other, what, or at least they can't feel what others are describing. So then, and then you wonder, how do you know for sure that you're feeling it, feeling the spirit? Human, like human emotions are wild, right? They vary. They're vastly different. Although they have lots of similarities, people, the, here's how I kind of imagine it. The way, like, imagine your, uh, your, your emotions are like firing off and like varying levels. Some people, they, their emotions, they don't consume them in a sense where they kind of like, yeah, they, they go, they go up and down, they go off and they have ebbs and flows of feeling and of happiness and suffering. But you know, it doesn't, it's not like these, these vast changes or exotic changes. I would say I I kind of fit that, but some people just get consumed with the emotions, the emotion that fires off and then they're consumed by it. They're just consumed by this, this array of emotion, right? 
that's a little differing there. We have similarities in how that works and how we feel emotions, but there's a variance. There's a spectrum. So some of us experience, for example, stories differently. We get involved with characters differently in stories or connected. And maybe that's why some people like fiction books more than others, that type of thing. So obviously this isn't a reason to, I don't think it's a reason or maybe it is a reason, but it's not like the reason to dismiss the Holy Spirit. But I have more because I would mention this problem to people and they'd say essentially, you know, I just need to go talk to a priest or I'm not truly accepting God into my heart. It's like, okay, thanks. I guess it's all, it's all my fault then. I'm just not doing something right. I'm just not truly opening my heart to God, that type of thing. It seems like a very, uh, easy answer. And I feel like that should be kind of obvious to most people. So the spirit is the thing that's supposed to live in you, right? It's the spirit that, that guided those who wrote the Bible. Oh, and it's, it's the Holy spirit that has directed truth so that we now have thousands of dramatically different interpretations of the Bible, interpretations that cause the deaths of millions over fights about sometimes just a few words, a few words of disagreement in the Bible. Most of them claimed in their hearts to be talking to the Holy Spirit. And the others were just, you know, the ones that that were against my words. They're just corrupted souls being tempted by the devil. You know, and my question was, who who is right there? Who is who is the one that truly holds the word of God? Or maybe this Holy Spirit is not an accurate indicator of when you're feeling or talking to God, right? So overall, there's, you know, very very little consensus in Christianity. The Holy Spirit seems less of a guide to explain the vast amount of differing interpretations, but you know what does fit? Well, Christian belief seems to transform, flow, and evolve with the way human human culture has evolved and the way human culture has wanted to utilize it. That's all of a sudden becomes the truth of Christianity when human culture needs it to evolve in a certain way to fit their needs, right? making cohesion almost non-existent. You know, the Christianity today is vastly different than the Christianity a thousand years ago. And that's, to me, that is saying a lot, right? So you can take that fact for what you will. I'll just leave that part at that. So another I became hard for me was I grew older. Uh, as I grew older, my thoughts, interests, and who I was was changing, right? You know, I'm... I'm not the same person. I barely recognize the person I was five years ago. We were like completely different people. The way I think about it is this. So if I talk to myself from five years ago, just about just about life or our beliefs or what we think of meaning, right? Not our upbringing or anything that would reveal stuff, but my, my five years ago self, let's say he looked different than me, had a different voice, had a different name. Uh, we would get along, I think, but and be friends, but I would never think they're just like me. We hold everything the same. You know, we're basically twins in thought. I would never, never think that. I would easily pick up on the differences, right? We'd get along, be great friends probably. Like we're not that different. Like we still have the same genetics, right? That's kind of the point. But the point is, is we would see the differences there. And to me, that that was actually telling. And, the, and I'll kind of explain why this connects to this conversation. So this all got me obsessed with this concept of eternity. 
life is relatively short, right? In the grand scheme of what we know about the universe, it's short compared to the eternity we are supposed to live in heaven and hell, right? And even in that short time span, I like I see how much I change, how much I am not even close to the person I was five years ago, 10 years ago, when I was a teenager. And I know that I'm going to be vastly different five years from now, right? Like, sure, I'm going to be able to like connect myself to five years ago and see that it was me. But the point is, is like, if you look at them side by side, you, you just see lots of change. That's my point. I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm on this point too much. So anyway, this gets to eternity, infinite time, something we can't even comprehend, infinite time, right? So you're saying, God is judging me based on, at most, probably, let's say, let's say 100 years, and that's being super optimistic. 100 years. A blink of an eye in the grand scheme of the cosmos. That is going to be my judgment that will either equal unending suffering or unending joy. That blink of an eye in the grand scheme of time. That just is mind-blowingly absurd to me. And that is a point that I could just never get over. And obviously, I still can't get over it today. So now, I know Christians have some kind of counters to this, like, God will give you another chance when you die. Okay, no. So then it leads to this barbaric practice of inflicting suffering. So although, as though we will never change. Every single human on this fucking planet has the ability to change. Honestly, believing some people should be punished for an eternity is hurtful and just flat out sad. And here's a scripture to kind of summarize this idea of ridiculous punishment from Matthew 5, 28, 29. But I will tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Like, what the fuck is that? First of all, what do you mean by lustful, right? Okay, so let's let's try to like, I'm going to try to explain how I imagine this, okay? So let's, I'm in a happy relationship with my partner, right? Are you saying if I walk down the street, see a gorgeous woman, I don't do anything, I don't say anything, but I think, wow, she is beautiful. And guess what? I'll sometimes turn to my partner and say, whoa, did you like, after the fact, we're not being like weird about it in public and turn to my partner and say, wow, did like, did you see her or like someone we meet and we're like, wow, they're gorgeous. And like, we get to know them. Right. Right. And often we, we are in agreement about this. Right. So should I gouge my eyes out because of that? Is that lustful? Right. Uh, Obviously, like if I'm saying that woman is gorgeous, it's not saying I want to have sex with them, but there is probably some sort of sexual attraction there. Right. And you know what else? I'll see a dude walking down the street and think, damn, that's a good-looking, handsome dude. And I'll turn to my partner and say, wow, did you see that guy, right? Should I go and gouge my eyes out now or what? You know, that, that situation that, lay, that I laid out is, you know, that's called being a human being in my eyes. Okay, and, and to me, that's like, like I said, it's being a human being. And also like those, those, and kind of the point of this is that that example is also to kind of demonstrate. I know a lot of people experience that. Obviously, is you you don't necessarily control all of those thoughts. It's like if I find a woman or a male, like if I say like, or if a male finds a male attractive or whoever this is, it doesn't have to be me. Just imagine whatever scenario you want. If I find them attractive, it's not like I'm deciding. Hey, 
I find them attractive. Usually it's caused by something internally that you do not have control over and you're like, hmm, I find them attractive. Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of my my cover thoughts. There's a lot of nuance to that. So if someone gets offended by how I just explained that, uh, please do not freak out at me. This is just <laughs> this is supposed to be just a quick, simple explanation of my thought process. So, okay, another one that was hard for me was A, the suffering of children and babies. Not getting into the argument here of free will, but it's hard for me to excuse God allowing the suffering of children and baby, babies for the desire and cause of free will, right? So this next problem uh, goes back to what I mentioned earlier with the Bible and religion, you know, adapting with culture. So this leads, I think, to a common reasoning of those in the faith that proclaim the Bible isn't supposed to be taken literally. This was this is a problem for me, though. This is supposed to be the word of God giving us the truth. Wouldn't he want to give us accurate information in a in a systematic, reliable method? Why would he use metaphors? That makes no sense to me. But okay, let's say it is a metaphor, right? People in the past took those metaphors literally. They followed those metaphors to a T. That was the word of God. They took those metaphors to be systematically, reliably, accurately true. There was no interpretation there, right? Where are they now? Are they in heaven or in hell because they took the word of God literally? And how do we determine when something should be taken as a metaphor or should be taken literally, right? Okay, so maybe I'll cover a few more here and kind of sum it up. I might do more in the future depending on how well this episode does. I don't like to... This this episode right now as I'm doing it kind of feels combative and it's not supposed to come across this way. So I'm going to see how it does, see how people react, and then we will go from there. So let's get back to hell here. Let's say someone doesn't choose God, but ends up being, you know, a good person, even by Bible standards. Is God going to send them to hell for torture for eternity just because he didn't proclaim him in name? That seems odd to me. It completely contradicts the idea of an all-loving God. That was an issue for me. And I'll end with this one. Anyone who leaves the faith is often told they were never a true Christian which is fallacious reasoning, obviously. But how arrogant is that, though? Someone who maybe went on a genuine, introspective journey, found that they are not a Christian, didn't really connect with it, didn't vibe with it, and don't find the faith helpful to their lives, how arrogant for someone to say, oh, you just don't get it. You, you, you didn't try hard enough. You never truly accepted God. And thus, you are not a true Christian. What? Like, well, didn't... Even, so I didn't even cover the issues of Christianity's history with uh, homosexuality, but I figured that was a given reason, but uh, like that one's a common reason, obviously. But that's how they kind of preserve their illusion, though. You see, not not the homosexuality part, the, the point I made before that, of like saying someone's not a true Christian. See, you see, if you invalidate someone's beliefs that leave the church, you preserve your illusion. You preserve your illusion to justify your belief in the validity of the rest of your church. Well, and uh, kind of that's going to conclude it. Those are some thoughts for today. Uh, three episodes out this week, so that's also why I kind of wanted to do this. This is uh, an episode where I kind of just free-flowed and spit out my thoughts. Uh, and yeah, I got three episodes out and hoping to kind of continue that trend. I've already got a couple planned for next week. Still got to finish up those nihilism ones. The contemplating truth is supposed to be more about nihilism. Um, 
But yeah, as always, check out the Patreon. Uh, please leave a review on iTunes. I dropped a new YouTube video today. Uh, I'm not super happy with it, but I'd still hope you check it out and leave me some feedback. But yeah, thanks for listening. And also, uh, my closing thought, I want to say, find your own spirituality that makes you happy, makes you centered, you know, gives you purpose. Never feel ashamed if you don't find that in an ancient documents written by some sexist men. And as always, peace. Thanks for listening. See you next time.